Hey guys, happy Friday. Hope you guys are excited for the weekend and have some good plans or maybe you're just going to rest and uh, do some self-love, self-care, whatever it may be. I hope you guys have a great weekend and I'll be filling you guys in on a lot soon. There's just been so much going on here. Um, all good things, but just very busy and uh, we are currently at my in-laws as we navigate uh, getting to uh, Tennessee, getting to Nashville. So I just uh, wanted to give you guys a brief little update because I've been getting a lot of questions about it. I promise I'll share more soon. Um, there's just a lot going on. But anyways, I hope you guys have a great weekend. Today's episode is so good. It's so real and raw. It's hilarious. It's a little bit, um, oh, it's raw. <laughs> um, it's super real, which I love. Um, it's a little bit crude. It's whole funny. It's hilarious. It's just it's everything. I have the fabulous Amy Dresner. If you guys don't know her, check her out. She's like such a rock star and she shares so much of her real raw truth and everything with her own addictions and everything she's learned, how she wants to help others. And we had so much fun talking on this episode. And uh, you guys will hear Arlie cry and scream. I cut it out as fast as I could um, in the episode without losing what we were saying. Uh, poor Arlie was having a little bit of a moment. Um, so just an FYI, um, it doesn't stay there. You won't just be listening to her scream, but um, there was a part of our conversation I didn't want to lose and Amy was just being so funny. So you guys know I love to be transparent with you and I just wanted to tell you that. So anyways, if you love this episode, as always, please make sure you take a screenshot, you share it, tag Allie Levine Design and everything with Allie Levine, tag my guest Amy so we can share it and share the love and make sure you're subscribed to the podcast, please. And if you haven't already, please, please leave a five-star review. It means so much to me and my show. And you guys have no idea how much it helps. So please leave a five-star review and write about a guest you love, why you love the show, anything you want to share that would help others find the show. And I hope you guys have a great weekend and I will talk to you all soon. Bye. This is Everything with Allie Levine, hosted by Hollywood mom, celebrity stylist, influencer, and Bravo reality star, Allie Levine. On this podcast, you'll get a mix of, well, literally everything, from motherhood to fashion, lifestyle to spiritual well-being, all real and raw. Allie interviews celebrities, experts, influencers, entrepreneurs, and so much more. Tune in weekly to be inspired, empowered, and entertained. Welcome back to Everything with Allie Levine. I'm your host, Allie, and I have an incredible guest today. I have the fabulous Amy Dresner. Amy, welcome to my show. Thank you, Allie. I'm so excited to be here. Hi, honey. Hi. Yes, I'm so excited to have you. You were on my other podcast with my good friend, Amanda Lauren. Things are crazy <laughs> to blog about. Arlie's also excited. You have a fangirl. <laughs> She's cheering you on. Um, Amy. You have such a story. I mean, you're a journalist, you're an author, you're a former comedian, you're a recovering addict. I mean, there's so much to you. I would love for you to share for my listeners that don't know you or maybe don't know so much about you, kind of your journey and how you got here. Oh God. Okay. Um, I'm eight year oh, a little over eight years clean and sober now. Uh I I'm a Beverly Hills Jap, uh, you know, with a screenwriter father and a designer mother and, you know, uh, single, uh, only child, 
of divorced parents, a lot of mental illness and alcoholism in my family, but I was really spoiled. And that's kind of a weird combination. I think it really messes you up in a, in a way that people don't really understand. They think, oh, well, if you've got money, then it's going to sort of, I don't have any money now. I lost it all through after seven rehabs and 9,000 therapists and also getting married and being left penniless, but it ended up being the best thing that ever happened to me. I really needed that shift. Um, just, you know, I was a good girl. I was a goody two shoes and didn't smoke and didn't drink and didn't sleep with people. And I was straight A student. I was good. And I was like pure. And, um, but I was really sort of uncomfortable in my skin, you know, from a very early age. And uh, I had an eating disorder at 19, from 20 to 19 to 25, I was like anorexic and bulimic. Um, that was like my first addiction was sort of like food and restricting and whatever, just trying to control my feelings and my life and whatever. And then um, I, I found uh, drugs at 24. I came across crystal meth and I was like, bing, it just flecked. I, I felt normal for the first time in my life. And I don't, I don't know who doesn't want to feel normal. You know, I didn't wake up with like a 700 pound weight on my chest. I was like, oh, I can live. I don't, I don't have to kill myself. I can be on the planet if I'm on this stuff and everyone was like, yeah, well, well, crystal meth is not exactly like the long-term answer to your problems. <laughs> but uh, I didn't really know that at the time, you know, it was just, I was just experimenting. I was young and I, you know, I never had really partied. And so I was just like, I'm just partying. And it became, you know, a 20 year battle with addiction. Wow. Um, yeah. And then led to, you know, I have epilepsy from crystal meth. I've been in like I said, seven rehabs. I, you know, I've abused everything, booze, pills. I got into intravenous, you know, uh, drug use. I started shooting cocaine. Um, I've just, you know, a lot, a lot of stuff happened that I thought would never happen to someone like me. And um, that was my life. And just me trying to get clean and like not kill myself for like 20 years. And uh you know, from the outside, it looked like I had, you know, everything, but I, that's not what it felt like to me. I just felt like lost. I just had hated myself and I just didn't know how to navigate in the world. And I had gnarly, gnarly depression and I just, uh, that was it. So I don't know with, with the genetics I had, it just clicked and it was just like a nightmare immediately. Um, like words, the whole deal. I mean, just all of it, just everything that I, just everything that you read about and you're like, that will never happen to me. Like it all happened to me. And, um, and things kind of came to a head and I would have years of sobriety and then I'd relapse. So I, I would get, I'd get it for a while and then I'd fall down again, which is very common. Um, and not that I thought it would be different. I mean, sometimes I did and other times I just didn't care. I was just in so much pain emotionally. I just was like, I can't, I cannot do this. And uh, everything kind of changed when I got arrested. <laughs> I mean, I laugh because it's so, I mean, you have to laugh. Otherwise you just die. You just cry of shame. And I just, I refuse to do that. I, uh, I got married and it was a really awful marriage. And um, on Christmas of 2011, I was high off my face on Oxycontin that they prescribed for an injury. I think I was drinking like four loco or something gross. And uh, we got in a physical altercation and I pulled a knife on him and he called the cops on me and I got arrested for felony domestic violence and I went to jail. Wow. Yeah. 
And my parents were like, what the hell is like, what's going on? What? And uh, I lost everything. He left me penniless in a psych ward. And I started my life over at 42 with a criminal record and nothing, no career, nothing, no money. You know, I had a total nervous breakdown. I tried to kill myself. I had to get sober. Like it was just starting from ground zero and it was really intense. And I had to sweep the streets for, you know, so I didn't go to jail for the felony, got dropped to a misdemeanor and I had 240 hours of community labor, me sweeping the streets of Hollywood, you know, and uh, a year of domestic violence counseling and uh, going through the divorce. And uh, I just, uh, I don't know, I had an epiphany. I had an epiphany. Wow. I mean, first off, thank you for sharing so much of that real and wrong and everything you went through. But, you know, when you were saying that about, you know, getting arrested and being, you know, on those streets and pulling a knife, I mean, those are the same streets you essentially started partying on and, you know, doing drugs and, and making those decisions. That must have been such a crazy moment for you when you were arrested to realize kind of like where it had begun is where, in a sense, it was ending. Well, I mean, I had never really partied in LA that much. I mean, like I, I was, I mean, a little bit in my like 19 and like I didn't drink till I was 19. Wow. I didn't smoke pot till I was 21 years old. Like, so I'm a really strange case. I'm a really late bloomer and everything, uh, you know, and um, in some respects, I think that, you know, gives people hope. Like, you know, I published a book in 2017. I was 47 years old when that book came out. And it's like, I mean, I, well, a book was published. I, I didn't self-publish, but it's like, you know, now we're shopping it as a series and now I'm a speaker and like, you know, I'm writing a second book and like, you know, you can have, you can turn your life around at any point And like, you know, it doesn't really matter like, I think people think, oh my God, if I haven't done this by this age, it's over. And I just, this is not true. This is not true. Um, so yeah, it wasn't really full circle. It was like, because I, you know, when you're a drug addict like me, it's mostly using by yourself. It's really not ever like a party. It wasn't me like snorting lines of Coke at like glamorous parties. It was me in my apartment shooting Coke by myself listening to music yeah it was dark it was dark it was really dark it was self-medication man it was addiction it wasn't fun it wasn't partying it was it was gnarly is what it was and even the meth use was very much me by myself very quickly you know because you don't want people judging you you know because you're obviously using more than anyone else and like you just don't want anyone judging you you don't want to share your drugs and you just don't want and it's not you know, it's like I said, you're, you're, it's like a self-medication thing. You know, people go, oh, it just feels so good. You can't stop. It's like not even close. I mean, now that I've learned the science, it's like, you know, people, most people with addiction, it's not just trauma. I mean, we're, we're genetically different. There's, you know, we have, there's, there's like, uh, I was tested for a genetic mutation and an enzyme that produces dopamine and serotonin. Like, no wonder I'm depressed. Like, I, we're different. Yeah, absolutely. Everyone. You know, and I can't do anything in moderation. I can't smoke a fucking cigarette. I can't, nothing. Dating, love, caffeine. I mean, you name it. It's like, I, it, uh, everything is addictive to me. Wow. Did you always know you had that addictive type of personality? 
No, I really didn't. I mean, you know, cause I, I stayed away from it for so long. And I think maybe I knew on like a subconscious level and I was like, you know, but I was like, I was like, drugs are bad. Like they're a cop out and blah, blah. And it was like, I just ate so much crow because like, you know, later on there I am with like a needle in my fucking neck and people are just like, uh-huh, really? You judged me and now you're like a full blown junkie. And I was just like, I don't know. That's, that was another lesson. It's like, whatever you judge, you become. That's what I've learned in my life. So I'm really careful about what I judge because everything I judged, I became. Wow. I was like, oh, that'll never happen to me. And it all did. It all did. And so, um, no, I mean, I didn't really, like I said, like the, like in the beginning, the, the meth addiction, I was just like, oh, I was 24 and living in San Francisco. And I was like, I thought I was just having fun and experimenting every day, all day and all night. Cause I'd never really been around people with, you know, substance abuse problems. So I didn't know what it looked like. So I didn't really recognize it. I mean, I knew my mother had been an alcoholic and um, an amphetamine addict when she was a model. I knew my uncle was an amphetamine addict, but it was like, no one sat me down and told me like, hey man, you have these genetics, like be careful. Like it just kind of clicked for me and it felt like this life raft that I needed. I was like, no one's taking this away from me. I, I, this, I need this to be on the planet. You know, it felt like medication. It really did. I was like, why are they giving me Prozac? This is what I need. And um, so, you know, I quickly became aware that I had a problem and uh, I wasn't in denial about that, but I didn't care. Like, I just was like, I don't, this is okay. So I'm an addict and I'm going to probably die an addict, you know? And right. That was what made you feel good. So that's what you continued to do. It made me feel like not even good, like, okay, just like, okay, I can be on the planet. Like, I, you know, I've tried to kill myself like four times. So I was just like, this was like, okay, this will make me, you know, I, I, I'll stay on the planet if I can have this. This makes me feel like things are dealable. So, I mean, I just didn't, you know, I went into rehab after I had a seizure the first time. I went into rehab the second time you know, after everything got out of control really quickly, things get out of control really quickly. I'd pick up and within like months, like I'm in the ER or I'm in jail or I'm in the psych ward. I mean, it wasn't, I was not someone who was, who was, uh, what sort, uh, you know, like productive and handled life and things like that at all. Like, you know, my job was being a drug addict. That was it. Yeah. And took over my life. So when I see people who can like hold down a job while they have like, you know, like a, you know, you know, an addiction, I'm like power to you. I don't, I, I mean, I was happy if I took a shower, you know, it was like, that was, it just took over my life and it just, it was like being possessed. It was gnarly. And so, um, after just kind of had this epiphany, you know, I was sweeping in the streets and I was just like, wait a second. And I felt really bad for myself. I was like, you know, it's funny too, because I showed up and I would tell this story, you know, where I was like, oh my God, like these people are criminals. Like I'm a Jewish American princess. I still had all of this entitlement and I was so bratty. And so, and you know, and it was like me and 40 guys. And I was like, fuck. And they were like, what you here for Weta, huh? No one was friendly. I was like, they were like, what you here for, Weta? Hmm? I'm here for DUI. What you here for? And I was like, oh, I'm here for felony domestic violence with a deadly weapon. They were like, oh, God. Like, so no one messed with me because I was the crazy <laughs> white bitch. You know what I mean? Like, 
No one else there was there for assault. No one else. I had more time than anyone else. People were like, did you rob a bank? Like, why do you have so much time? I was like, uh. So I quickly realized I was the criminal. And that was like a huge awakening. And uh, I just decided, like, I was like, you have to finish this or you'll go to jail. You have to finish this community labor. So you better find the lessons here. This, this is a crossroads for you. And this could be the best thing that ever happened to you. Or it could be the worst thing that ever happened to you, honey. And it's your decision. So why don't you reframe it? Because you got to do it. You might as well, you know, make something good to come out of it, which is not my nature at all. I'm a Jew and I'm a whiner, you know, I'm very, you know, and I'm victiming and self-pitying, but I didn't, not in this situation. I was like, this is the consequences of your actions, girl. Yeah. So, I mean, you said, you know, when we were first sharing that it was everything that happened really was such a blessing in disguise. And it was like an epiphany for you. I mean, how did you come? I mean, the story you're telling right now, people are sitting here going like, oh my God, oh my God, like, wow. I mean, I can't even pretend to, you know, understand because I've never been in, you know, any of those situations. So even for me sitting here listening and hearing how, you know, you had this epiphany and you came to this like, wow moment and this kind of like come to Jesus moment of like, oh my God, I, I need to change this. Like, I'm a criminal, this, you know, can't go on if I want to have a better life. Like, how did you come to that? Like, how did I have you no idea. I have no, I don't have a clue. I haven't, my dad's like, that's the universe. I have no idea. I have yeah, no awesome. idea. Yeah, I my opinion, that's God. Yeah. yeah, I have no clue. I have no clue. Cause that is not my nature. My nature is very much like the cops suck and my ex sucks. And my lawyer sucked and poor me. And it's unfair. And like, you know, victim, 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 blame, blame, blame. And I just had this moment and I went, are there lessons here? I bet there are lessons here. What if you embrace this? And I was like, you could like learn a work ethic. You could learn to sweep. Hey man, you could, uh, you could learn compassion. You could learn teamwork. You could learn to finish what you start. I was just like, I don't know. I have no idea where it came from. I really, really don't. And later I found a quote by Will Rogers, which is at the opening of my book that says, the worst thing that happens to you can be the best thing for you if you don't let it get the best of you. Mm. And I was like, holy shit. Okay. That's going into the, that's the opening quote for the book. Yeah. Um, so, but I don't, I have no idea how I had that. And then, you know, I ended up writing a book later and uh, and it's helped a lot of people. And now I'm really happy I went through all that stuff because a lot of people are like, oh my God, thank you. Like you made me laugh at stuff that I was so ashamed about. And like, you gave me hope. And I was like, and then all of a sudden, you know, life makes sense backwards. Life makes sense backwards. I think that's going to be the title of this podcast. Right? You know, you get the answers after you take the test. Like always, it's like, you know, I didn't understand. I was like, why, why, why? And now I'm like, oh, I had ought to have all that stuff happen so I could do this, so I could help people. Okay, I got it now. And I wouldn't change it. I wouldn't change it because I have a purpose now. And that's what I, I needed the whole time that I was using. I needed a purpose and I didn't have a purpose. And I think that, you know, taking 20 years of horrible you know, things and shameful things and turning it into a tool that helps people and inspires them and makes them laugh and gives them hope is like super dope. I was like, fuck, okay. You know, and I didn't know that that was going to happen. I was just like, I'm going to write the most honest addiction memoir I can. That's it. 
I was just like, just be honest, because if you're trying to, you know, make yourself look good, you're really not being honest in an addiction memoir. Like, I hate the people who are like, I'm going to curate it and make myself look good. Like, I'm not, I don't look good in it. I look like an ass, people like, you are an asshole. I was like, you're right. I was mentally ill and addicted to drugs. I was, you know, a spoiled asshole. You're right. And, you know, and thank God I had an epiphany and there was a transformation. I mean, no, you know, publishers love the narrative arc. At least there's somewhere to go. If you're, per if you're perfect, why get sober? Hi. <laughs> I was a good person when I was using and doing drugs. Like I would have never need to get sober. There'd be no story. Oh yeah, of course. And also like, no matter what, nobody's perfect. You know, even if people like pretend and curate and this and that, like we all know no one's perfect. Right. It's just that it's just a fact, like, and anyone who thinks they are are kidding themselves. And, you know, I mean, I think it's so inspirational how much you personally share and how you're, you know, the epiphanies you did come to and how you were able to see the lessons and, you know, find the answers later. So like you said, like now, you know, you've got a podcast, you have a book, like, what is it like now? On the other side, after you had that epiphany, after you obviously did the work to move forward, which I also want to hear, like, what did you do to move forward once you kind of had that, you know, come to God moment, you know, realizing the universe was like, okay, you're going to take this and either learn from it or you're going to die with it. Like, what is it? I just, yeah, well, I embraced it. And I had no idea that I was going to write a book. I had no idea. I was just like, how do we get through this? I was 42 years old, living in sober living, you know, on a sleeping on a single bed. It was a far cry from the life I had before. I mean, it was, it was laughable. It was you know, just, you know, it was private Benjamin shit. It was really like, I was like, what the fuck? You know, and um, I, you know, I think again, I never wanted to grow up. I hadn't wanted to take care of myself. That was my big thing. I wanted, you know, if I stayed broken, everyone would take care of me. You know, my parents would take care of me. My ex-husband would take care of me. Like everyone would take care of me. And I didn't have to grow up and I didn't have to take responsibility and I have to work for myself and blah, blah. And again, you know, you meet your destiny on the road, you go to avoid it. Like the universe is like, oh, you don't want to take care of yourself? <laughs> okay, honey. Like I was like, I'm going to marry this rich guy and he'll fix me and he'll take care of me. And I don't have to like, now that my trust fund is, you know, and the universe was like, uh-uh, uh-uh. And so now I'm left penniless, like sweeping poo. The universe is like, what you got now, girl? What you got? I was like, fuck. She's, you know, it was like, you know, there's a meme going around that the, you get wake up calls and at first it's like a feather and then it's a rock and then it's a bus, you know? <laughs> yeah, like, totally. And I, I always am the one that waits for the fucking bus. <laughs> like everything I've been like, no, I don't want to, you know, everything that I was like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do, make that change. I don't want to learn that. I don't want to grow. And like, you know, even after like I got independent and, you know, wrote the book and was writing for magazines and, you know, finally got out of sober living and blah, blah, blah. You know, the universe was like, I don't, I don't think that you have the whole taking responsibility thing, thing down. I think you have got a lot of codependent friends taking care of you. So I'm going to give you this. And then my mom broke her hip and got dementia and I had to uh, become her power of attorney, uh, her social security payee, handle all her bills. I can't even do my taxes. Like I don't have a budget. Like, I mean, everything flipped. My dad got cancer. Like everything I'd been avoiding my whole life just fell on me. Wow. Yeah. Universe was like, oh, it's time to grow up, honey. Yeah. 
it's time for you to be a service to other people. So here you go. And I was like, fuck. Okay. So, uh, you know, I got my heart shattered and that was horrible, but I didn't relapse. And um, that'll all be in the second book. And um, I don't know, it just like weird, you know, I just, and then, well, the pandemic, that's been fun. <laughs> for all of us when you said about the you know the, the universe honestly I kind of feel like how you, you know you were saying like the feather and all that like I always say when I talk to my friends about it I'm like it's like a little tap on the shoulder and then it's kind of like a swift kick and then it's right. a magical two but like a you know a metaphorical totally two by four over the head you know totally <laughs> like hey are you getting it I'm yeah. hello like pay attention hello. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah totally I kind of feel like in a sense you know I've said to a lot of people with the pandemic like I do kind of feel in a sense that's really kind of what the pandemic and COVID has served. Of course, there's been a lot of tragedies, but I feel in a sense, in my opinion, you know, a little bit of a blessing in a sense that it like has woken a lot of people up from their slumbers of Agreed. not responsibility or not facing their shadows or whatever it Agreed. may be. Agreed. 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 I mean, it's taken a huge toll in the recovery community. I mean, suicide's up 200%, you know, I think what, 40 percent more people are on antidepressants uh relapse the overdose rate is higher than it's ever been uh you know alcoholism is up i mean people are relapsing it's been really really hard if you have any type of mental health or substance abuse issues and i lived i mean i live alone with my cat i mean i had my roommate from new york was here for a couple months during the pandemic thank god and then he left and i was like ah you know and i was like it was scary but i just yes definitely a reckoning of the self you know and sort of like you know midnight of the soul or whatever i don't know yeah. i don't know any of those dumb sayings because my father never dark, the dark night of the soul thank yeah. you and my dad never let me use them he was like don't ever use cliches and so now i don't know them <laughs> so i always get them wrong so i'm like well it's not written in cement and people are like do you mean carved in stone i'm like yeah you know it's like <laughs> but i don't know if he did me a disservice like i don't have cliches in my writing but like i don't know them yeah no i get it hey look it shows you're truly authentically you I like, wow. <laughs> no, yeah the pandemic i was like yeah definitely it get, you know of course at the beginning i was like i'm gonna get yes as a 24 year old stripper we're gonna get in shape we're gonna write that second book we're gonna die it you know what i mean like and it was like uh, and then it got to a point where it was like if i just don't blow my brains out or marry my cat <laughs> i will be happy you know it was like you know i just uh I did take the time. I did start a, a podcast. So um, that was really cool. And that's been really fun and productive. Also like sort of having a child. If I'd known how much work it would have been, I would have never done it. I had no idea. I was like, how hard can a podcast be? And I was like, and yeah, yeah. Now, you know, yeah. So I was like, how hard can it be? Right. And we're now we're like, oh my fucking God. So, um, pieces. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot. And, um, I, I did start working with a romantic coach and, uh, started to look at my sort of weird patterns and being attracted to, you know, unavailable asshole men and like why, and my childhood trauma. So that's been really fun and uplifting work. Um, not, and then, uh, yeah, just been, you know, trying to, of service you know i do a, i lead a meeting for laura mccallan and you know at tlc on fridays and 
that kind of stuff. I've been speaking a lot, doing a lot of podcasts and, you know, whatever. But it's been, uh, it's been intense, man. Yeah, but that's awesome. Like, look at all the things you're doing, regardless of, you know, the world kind of being yeah, like- a shit show, you know, um, and you've stayed, you know, obviously not only sober, but in a t- somewhat of a stable place. Whereas I'm sure looking back at where you were, I'm sure if someone had told you during that time that you were going to go through a pandemic, like you wouldn't have been able to fathom how you would have handled it or responded to it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, it's, it, it, it was difficult. And I've, you know, been, I've been like, okay, I should really meditate. I should really exercise. That'll help. And then I'll do it for a couple of days and then I'll fall off. I'm like, just not, I'm, I, I'm still struggle with discipline. I'm either doing something every day obsessively or I don't do it at all. That's everything. Writing, you know, everything. doesn't matter what it is. So it's like moderation is still really, really hard for me. Well, so, you know, when you share that, and thank you for sharing that, I think there's a lot of people, regardless whether they've gone through something like, you know, addiction or anything, or just, you know, any person who just has their own shadows to work with, you know, I think we've all been there where we have a hard time with discipline, you know, discipline is a major part of our growth and life. And, you know, it's an ongoing practice. I totally get that with meditation. Like when I, you know, years ago was told, oh, it'll help you to meditate. You should meditate. I was like, oh, I can't pay attention. Like I got two minutes and I'm done and I couldn't do shit. And then, you know, went through my postpartum depression and have my first daughter, Amelia, and I'm like losing my mind. Yeah. And that was one of the first things that brought me back to like myself and brought me home to like myself and my soul. Right. And now I meditate every freaking day because Good if I don't, you. I feel like I'm off. You know what I mean? Like if I don't, I'm like, I know uh, I need to get to that place. I was doing it in TM and, and then I was like 10 minutes and I was like, you know, in the beginning when I first started doing it years ago, I mean, literally people could tell, like people could tell the difference. And I was like, and now I just, I don't know. I've just been really struggling with it. I've been struggling with self-care. Just, I mean, I hate that even that term. Self-care and journaling. Journaling as a verb makes me want to stab people in the face. Like, I, <laughs> like have you tried journaling? I'm like, no, I've not tried journaling. Okay. Um, but like literally just, there'll be days, especially if you work from home where I'm like, I haven't showered in three days. Like, um, hi. Well, hi, mom life. That's me. I don't think I should. Yeah, but I am not a mom, dude. You have an excuse. What's my excuse? You're human. You know, it's like, you know, when you're not leaving the house, it's like, or it's like, well, I'm wearing the same sweatpants I've had on for three. Like, you might want to take a shower. I don't know. I mean, that might make you feel better. Like, hi, get out of the house. Even if it's just a fucking sprouts, let's just get out of the house and do something. I've been much better about that. And, um, you know, yeah. So it's just like, I mean, you talk about hormonal stuff. I am going through perimenopause and um, that's fun. Yeah, I, I've heard. I, 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 it's I, so <laughs> gnarly. It's so fucking gnarly. It is beyond gnarly. And it's sexy too, to talk about. Men don't all line up at once. Yeah, you're like, the store is closing. You know, it's like, it, <laughs> I mean, it's so unsexy. You know, and I don't feel like, oh, like less of a woman or any of that stuff or like, you know, and I never really wanted to have children because I just didn't have my shit together at all. But like, I feel a crazy on top of my normal crazy. And it's like, it's, it's gnarly. Hormones are very powerful, as you know. Oh, yeah. They can just take over. (laughs) Yeah. 
yeah you're like crying and then you're like raging and it's like it's weird it's scary yeah so i'm kind of just dealing with that whole thing i'm like oh this is fun yeah but at least you're aware of it and like aware that you're dealing with it and you know i mean i feel like that's another thing from what you're sharing from the beginning of you know us talking to now like you're sharing so much of your own self-awareness. I think that there's so much to be said when people are self-aware, even if they're not necessarily, you know, evolving in that moment or feel they're going forward. The fact that they're aware, there's so many people who are just literally unconscious, just go through life, just through the motions. Yeah, I've always had insight. Anything. I don't know if it's a blessing. I've always I had a lot of insight into myself which even if I couldn't control my behavior, I knew what I was doing and it made it kind of like almost extra painful. Does that make sense? Like- Cause you could see it? Cause you yeah, I it. was like, I know I'm doing this. I know I'm destroying myself or I know I'm hurting this person or I know I'm crazy and there, I can't do anything about it. Like, I don't know what to, you know, it was like, I had so, I always could, I couldn't fool myself, you know? And it was like, it was really hard. I mean, it makes writing great, but when I was going through it, I wish I had been more in denial because knowing, because I knew, I always knew. I knew I was anorexic. I knew, you know, I, I knew I had a drug problem. I mean, I always knew all of it when I was doing it, but I just, I was like having a really hard time changing the behavior until I just got my ass handed to me and lost everything. And then I was like, okay, this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna act like the person we wanna be and fuck our feelings. Wow. Well, I was like, that's what we're, yeah, I had a sponsor and he said, you don't have to be a good person. You just have to act like when nobody knows the difference. And I was like, well, that doesn't seem very truthful. He goes, no one gives a fuck about your intentions, Amy. The world is judging you on your actions. You can, you, you might have intentions of a good person, but no one gives a shit. They care about your actions. I went, okay. So I just started to act like the person I wanted to be, no matter how I felt. And, you know, and I've talked about this a lot. It, you know, it's basically, it's contrary action was what they call it in the program. But what happens is over time, if you take that contrary action, you know, you create a new neural pathway in your brain that eventually becomes you, it becomes your default mechanism. So it's like you actually change yourself, you change your, your neural pathway. And so it's, it's, it's neuroplasticity, it's bi-directionality. So you don't have to feel like doing it to take the action. You can take the action and it will change your feelings and your thoughts. And so that's how I had to do it because my feelings are so big. You know what I mean? Like big, 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 which is why I like drugs. Cause yeah. it turned the volume down. I was like, whoa, is this loud? Wow. That's pretty, that's pretty uh, cool though. That what you just shared that, that way of breaking it down. I mean, you're right in the day, you know, you can have all the intentions in the world, but it really is your action. So true. Yeah. No one gives a shit about your intentions. Oh, I'm so sorry. You meant to be there. Who cares? Right. Right. True. How many times are you going to hear that? Yeah. So true. Yeah. Well, I mean, so when you were talking about the writing, right. And you write, you said, you know, and it helps you with, with, the, you know, writing and what you're sharing. Is that a release for you? Would you say like, of course, I know you're in service to others, of course, and all, and all of those things that you're doing with your writing and with the book and the book that's coming out. But is that part of release? Because you talked about, you know, a little bit ago, self, you know, care, I say self-love, self-preservation, whatever the buzzword is self-care. It's all the same thing. It all breaks down to the same. So like for you, is that writing a part of it? Uh, you know, I mean, are you asking me if I find it cathartic? 
Yeah. Is it, do you feel I like find it cathartic because, you know, I just don't, cause it's usually really dark shit that I'm writing about. Like I, my, my new book, you know, it starts with the breakup and that, I mean, for a while I couldn't even write it without crying. And I was like, okay, I got to get a grip here. Um, and then I finally got a grip and I could write it and, you know, it's going to have some really heavy shit in it, just like the first book. But it was like, you know, I think as a writer and as a former comic, I have a way of stepping away from stuff and seeing it as a story so I can get through it. So, I mean, it's sort of a, it's a coping mechanism and it's worked for me. Writing feels good because I feel productive. And then I see stuff and, you know, my father's 83 and he has cancer, but it's in remission. And I still send him my stuff to edit. And he is like, this is fucking terrific games. You know, he goes, when you're good, you're great. When you're not good, you're repetitive. And I'm like, Jesus, you know, like when he's like, this is great. I'm like, it is, you know, other times he'll be like, reads well. I'm like, reads well. Oh, okay. That mad, that that can't, doesn't, doesn't sound good. So I feel good because it makes me again, that's my job. That's what I'm good at. I can't, I'm not good at very many things. I can't cook. I can't dance. I can't play an instrument. I don't know how to change the oil in my car. Like I don't, you know what I mean? Like I can write, that's it. So I, it, it makes me feel productive and it gives me also, it reframes whatever I'm dealing with. It becomes a story then. And it takes sort of, sort of the charge out of it. Well, and what you were just saying is writing is your gift. You know, like I. Yeah. And you can get high off of it when you're really in the flow and you're really creative and it's just kind of channel you're channeling and it's just like flowing and you're like, oh my God, where'd that come from? Like, that's the cool place to be. Absolutely. You're right. And it's like, you're right. When you're channeling, you're in it and you feel it. And I love that you said it's like a drug you can get high off of. It's true. It's like, it's like, we are essentially our own drugs when we choose to allow that to be and that energy and everything to play, you know, everything within us really obviously, you know, is energy. And I think a lot of times we forget, like we look outside for so much, but like, if we tap into what you're saying with the writing for you, is it being your gift? and your natural high, like that is your highest place. And you, and yeah. you can do that. Yeah. Yeah. If I can get myself to the computer and sort of <laughs> it off and be like, instead of going like, I'm going to clean my refrigerator. I'm like, really? Are you, are you, is that like, okay. You know, like I just, I mean, the amount, the, the way that I can procrastinate is just incredible. It's fascinating to see myself do it. And it's a very writer thing to do. I mean, we all, we, it's like, you know, you, you love having written, but sometimes, you know, it's really a struggle to sit down and write. Like, it's like, I've talked to other writers. They're like, I hate it. I'm like, I get it. I get it. You know, because, you know, if you write only when you're inspired, well, good luck with that. I even had to learn that with my blogging and with my content creation. Right. Yeah. Good luck with that. Then it's not being a professional and you're not going to be, you're not going to produce content regularly. Good luck with that. Right. You're right. It's so and true. Some, I've had to learn that. Yeah. Yeah. The muse sometimes comes once you sit down, you sit down at the computer and you start, you know, and be like, okay, but maybe this will be shitty. And then all of a sudden it comes, you know, it's like, you have to show up and it's like, but um, yeah, so that's, what's going on with that. And then, yeah. So I guess the pandemic made me kind of like, look at me and my loneliness and my, how dependent I was on other people or how self-sufficient I could be. And um 
you know, I quit, I quit vaping during the pandemic, which was really intense. Like I was really into vaping. I don't care how douchey it is. It's super fun. You can do it everywhere. I loved the fucking jewel. I was like, I should buy stock in the jewel because I, <laughs> that shit's so goddamn expensive. And I was like, you know, I, it became very, very like druggy to me. Like I would be digging out empty cartridges from the fucking trash. And I was like, okay, this is over. You know what I mean? Dr- like driving to 7-Eleven at seven in the morning. And I was like, okay, I recognize this behavior. It's over. Right. It's like, over. Stop away. Like you, you told yourself yeah. it's over. I'm not doing this. Anymore. Yeah. And so, I mean, it wasn't the first time I've quit, but I've stayed off of it. And it's, um, I mean, I miss it and love it every day. Every time I see it, like a, you know, see someone smoking on TV or see someone like vaping. I'm like, Oh God. I'm like, Nope. Nope. Not for you. Not for you. So I did quit that. And, um, what else? Um, well, your podcast, when did that start? God, when did that start? I guess it's been like a year now, almost. I think we started last June or something. Wow. yeah, I think I don't even know. We've like 44 episodes. We've been doing it every week. Um, so Joe Schrank is a social worker and an interventionist, and he is um, the ex-boyfriend of a friend of mine named Lori Dew, who used to be a Fox newscaster. And um, he started the fix which is a magazine i wrote for for seven years and he's kind of a loud mouth and a lot of people don't like him and he's definitely got opinions and he's in facebook jail all the fucking time <laughs> like i get i text i get a text like every other week uh-oh and i'm like oh no or, oops <laughs> i'm like really really so uh he said let's do a podcast Lori goes, you guys are the smartest, funniest people. I know you should do a podcast together. And we didn't even know each other. We were like, okay. And uh, we just started doing a podcast together. And it just turned out to be sort of some, you know, perfect magical mix of, you know, two obnoxious people. Um, and we're very, very different. So, you know, I'm like the pullback police, which is terrifying to people. They're like, if you're the pullback police, like, if you're the one who's like, oh, God, don't say that. Like, I can't even imagine. I'm like, I know. I'm the good guy. I'm the, I look great in this. <laughs> you know, he's the obnoxious asshole. <laughs> um, we've gotten amazing, amazing guests. We really get into politics and science. And we've had, you know, celebrities and athletes. And um, we just had... Uh, someone very famous, infamous, come on. Uh, I don't know how we got them. It will drop on Tuesday. I don't know when this drops. So, uh, you know, anything connected to sort of drugs and drug policy. He likes policy and I like science. So we just kind of do a mix. And um, I've learned a lot. It's been really, really interesting. And people love it because we're funny and we're you know, it's funny and really informative and we get really great guests and we have no fucking idea what we're doing. Like none. <laughs> it took, it took us so long to figure out Sam. He's like, we're a garage band. Who cares if our sound is bad? I'm like, what are you talking about? We're having senators on you. Ha- we're having Emmy award directors. Like you're fucking learn how to work your sound, bitch. Like, are you kidding? Like, 
you know, my sound and the sound engineer was like, I'm not a magician, guys. I'm like, oh God, oh my God, oh my God, help me. <laughs> yeah, sound is for sure everything. Yeah, I know. He's like, it doesn't matter. Content's important. I'm like, not if it sounds like you're in someone's vagina, Joe. It sounds <laughs> like you're in somebody's fucking vagina. <laughs> my daughter's laughing at everything you're saying. So um, we finally figured out the sound thing, you know, eventually, you know, no one believed me. And I figured it out, I right? It. Of course. Of course, I love right. it, so yeah. awesome. Like That's a woman awesome. told me who just started a podcast, she was like, this is the problem. And I said that my sound engineer goes, that's not the problem. He goes, that's not the problem. And it was the problem. And I was like, you guys can suck my dick because <laughs> I just figured it out. <laughs> and I'm so disgusting. I'm like, I wonder why I don't have a boyfriend. I'm like, suck my dick. Everyone's like, well, maybe that's why. I don't, I don't know. It's just, it's so funny to me though to hear you because like, honestly, like the self-awareness, I mean, I feel like that should be another book in itself. There's so many people who just aren't self-aware at all. And like, you know, not only are you self-aware, but you can laugh at yourself. You can cry at yourself. What is your choice? But some people don't shoot that. Oh, what happened? <laughs> I always heard something. Oh. Arlie doesn't like self-awareness. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, struggle. That, that moment for her is like struggle is real. Like if she's very much aware, she's in pain. Um, I know. Hey, mama. We're going to wrap this up so I can go change you. It's okay. It's okay. Let me finish, okay? It's okay. It's okay. Um, okay, so depending on how loud that is, I may or may not I'll put it in. But... Uh, <laughs> Really, you don't want to put the rotating of the poop in here and her crying for 10 minutes? <laughs> but I mean, so you have your podcast, your second book is coming out. You've got a lot you're doing. Like, yeah, I'm trying, I'm writing the proposal for the second book. Um, I earned out my advance on my first book, which only 10% of authors do, which is fucking incredible. It took me four That's and a half years. Congrats. Yeah. Four and a half fucking years. I just, I just kept going. I just was like, I'm not stopping. I'm going to fucking earn out that goddamn advance. And, um, you know, again, just like, in, just determined. I mean, my agent was like, no one's going to do it for you, honey. I was like, you know, I, I'm uncomfortable with like the self-promotion stuff. I don't like it. Yeah, I get it. Trust me. It makes me uncomfortable. You know what I mean? Like it feels very like Jew garmental. Like buy my book. I'm buying my book. I don't I don't like it. I don't like it. But you know, he was just like, no one's gonna do it for you. Like so, and it's the long haul, honey. And so I was a little slow out of the gate, but like, I mean, the pandemic, everyone fucking started reading. I swear to God. I mean, the book sales just and I was like, oh, so that gives puts me in a better position for the second book, which a lot of people want now which is kind of life in sobriety which is different and there aren't many memoirs about that all the memoirs are like getting sober they're like all addiction memoirs and and it's like life is just amazing when you're sober and it's unicorns and rainbows it's like mm. not that it's not better but it's also like life continues people break your heart parents get sick people die you get sick you get older, shit happens. If you're mentally ill, you're still fucking mentally ill. You're just not smoking crack on top of it. Like real life is happening. You've got all this wreckage, emotional, financial relationship from all the using. And no one talks about that because it doesn't look like glamorous and glitzy. 
They want to think that, oh, you, you know, you get sober and it's like rainbows, it's magic. And it's like, it's better, yeah. And no one writes about life in sobriety and the struggles. Yeah, it's so you're right. It's so true. And I love your realness. I mean, yeah. And I want to talk about that and getting through that and getting through that with humor and, you know, all the time you're like, fuck all, where would I be if that's a big one, you know? Yeah, true. Where would I be if? Yeah. If I hadn't spent 20 years like doing that, where would I be? And it's like, well, that's a fucking wasted question. But, you know, just talking about life in sobriety and um you know, like how much doctors hate me <laughs> <laughs> nothing they, they hate more than like an ex-junkie who could bring in research papers to disprove whatever they're telling you but i think that's amazing i, mean, I, I know that's- an overeducated ex-junkie they're just like oh and they don't think i'm funny i like make jokes about everything and they just they they find me really obnoxious <laughs> which is fine it's fine it's fine I mean, I think it's cool. I think, you know, I think your self-awareness honestly is rad. And, you, you know, even all the things you've gone through, the way you share and your realness, which is why I wanted you Thank to come you. My show is just all about being super real and raw. And I think that you are so good about that. And you have such a- I don't really have a choice, Allie. It's kind of like, I don't have a filter. Like I just, you know, it's not even really a choice. It's like, it's not a choice- it's just who I am. It's been, it's who I've always been. And now it's like, finally, it's a good thing. It wasn't always a good thing. People were like, you're obnoxious and you don't follow social norms and that's inappropriate. And, you know, now all of a sudden everything is about authenticity because there's so much, you know, bullshit out there that everything is, you know, looks good and it makes people feel like shit and everything is face tuned and this and that. And so, you know, now there's this swing back towards realness. Yeah. Which is, you know, which I never really deviated from because I just wasn't good at it. You know, I tried to, you know, in my twenties, I tried to be like the girl that guys wanted, like, you know, and I just couldn't (laughs) do it. Yeah. But I think, you know, like you said, you just didn't, you didn't have a choice, but it's just who you were. And I think that, you know, like you said, that this pendulum swinging back more and more people, you know, are stepping into that and feeling like they can share that. But I think, you know, society basically kind of just told us you couldn't express yourself fully and you should totally your emotions and there shouldn't be a thing feeling right. all these things and now right. it's like you can't show your stretch marks and right. you can't show your depression right. and you can't right. do that but i think that you know certainly during the pandemic that's when people really needed the realness people felt so alone and yeah. I, I think that that's I, I you know and really that's people needed that like oh my god i'm not alone like you know i mean there's this whole movement now towards like show you know and and i and i'm totally behind it you know i love it and i think that you know i you know i also think with the pandemic like that's another part of that blessing in disguise to me it's like people are showing those vulnerabilities and being more real and raw because like you said they felt alone because they felt so you know just taken away from society that it's like wow let me show my vulnerabilities let me show that i'm losing my shit and i'm having a hard time whereas before like that didn't exist or like even you know to be honest as a mom like i always felt like i had to really hide the fact that like I was trying to do it all and now I'm just like no fuck it I've always been trying to do it all and now I just don't care here I am struggling doing it all but like really yeah but how many people identify with you how many people (laughs) identify when you say that yeah everybody it's true it's true true. yeah (laughs) that's the thing you know you feel like oh I can't share that 
it's such a, you know, no one's, your secrets aren't unique. It's like, that's the thing. It's like, you, the more personal it is, the more universal it is. That's what I found. When I share the most like thing that I'm just like, okay, I'm going to be really, really real. And I, I mean, people are going to be like, oh God, everyone goes, oh my God, are you in my mind? And I go, we're all the same, man. We're right. all so similar. And it's like, I really feel like that's the way forward to be to a better society and, and just a, a better everything is like, and, and how, when, how social media can be a healing place instead of a place where you feel less than all the time or, yeah, or, compared or whatever. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Completely agree with you. I love that. I think that's a great, great way to end off because I feel the same way. I've said that to so many people. I'm like, social is changing to more of a place of healing and sharing and being able to evolve together and grow and not this place where it's competitive and yeah. comparison and taking yourself down and just belittling yourself. It's finally starting to like evolve and shift. And I agree with you. And I think that like, you know, the way you share Amy, like even on your social and, you know, in your books and everything, you know, I just have to say like your, you know, your self-awareness, your rawness, like your comedy, it's, it's all, it's rad. Oh, thanks girl. You're welcome. And thank you for sharing all of it here and, you know, being real and raw with my audience and, you know, um, of course I really appreciate it. And before I let you go, you know, pimp yourself out, tell us where we can find you, okay. you um, book. And if there's anything else you want to leave us with, I mean, you gave so many gems. Is there anything you want anyone to take away from this or to write down, to think of when they hear this, you know, episode, um, you know, please feel free to share that. Now the floor is yours. Um, you can find me at Amy Dresner on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. I have a website called amydresner.com, which has, uh, God, like every interview I've ever done and, you know, all the articles I've written and all that kind of stuff. Uh, my podcast is called Rehab Confidential. Um, we have an Instagram page. We also have a website, rehab-confidential.com. It's on Apple, Stitcher, and um, Spotify. It comes out every Tuesday. Um, you can buy my book, My Fair Junkie, on Audible, paperback, or hardcover, mostly on Amazon. There's used, cover, there's used copies, but that doesn't help me with royalty sales. So, <laughs> you know, if you want to support struggling writers, then buy it new. It's just the way it is. It's just like, it sucks, but this is the way it is. But, you know, you, you know, if you, if you know someone struggling with addiction, um, you know, get it for them or just get it from the library. I don't care. I mean, I'm really out there to help people. Um, and I guess the thing I would say that I really learned too during the pandemic and I would like, kindness to strangers ah, kindness so like i was at sprouts and there was i had a bunch of crap and there was a guy and he had like two sushi things and i and i said come in front of me and he said are you sure people are so shocked when you do that and i said yeah he goes oh my god thank you so much it takes three seconds to just be aware and give, you know what I mean? And be kind to strangers. You'll never see that person again, which means you're not doing it for a payback. And it makes you feel good. It makes you feel really fucking good. And it's just easy. And also like, you know, like complimenting people, strangers, just like, my God, I love your hair. And they're like, oh my God, thank you. 
like we need to spread the fucking love like you're wearing a goddamn mask tell someone their lashes look amazing tell them you love their shirt like just spread the love i love it's it it's so important it is. you know say hi good morning hi everyone feels fucking lonely everyone feels so isolated we're so we can't even see each other's goddamn mouths you can't tell when someone's smiling at you be kind let someone in it's not a big deal it will make you feel good it will change the fucking world i love it amazing well thank you so much amy guys i mean there are so many gems in this episode but if anything like amy said be kind let someone in you know a compliment a little conversation goes a long way so thank you amy, for sharing your gift with us and just for being so real and raw and everything guys will be in the show notes as always until next time guys cheers bye thanks for listening to everything with ali levine if you loved this episode please leave a review screenshot this episode tell a friend tag us on social media subscribe tune in weekly for new episodes and to continuously be uplifted empowered and inspired 